With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for XNO Quick Hits, reviewing the film from week number 14, Jets and the Seahawks, with the man who hosts Blewett's Blitz over on JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Uh, as we talked you know, a little bit before, the, before we started recording, uh, I think we're just really both uh, really, really excited for the end of the season about what 15 15 14 more days something like that until uh until black monday so um really really excited for the end of the season to figure out who the jets sign who um is going to be the jets quarterback of the future most likely who's going to be the coach who's going to be the coordinators like there's so much excitement coming uh, um from a season that's been absolutely dreadful i I just cannot wait to get through this you know the next two and a half uh weeks of the season there was thought, Joe, that there was going to be some excitement among the Jets' defense, a little revitalization, if you will, under Frank Bush with Greg Williams being shown the door after the Raiders game. But it didn't seem like that from watching this game on television. Now, to be fair, Jordan Jenkins wasn't in there, so they didn't have their best edge rusher. Jenkins has played much better the last couple of weeks. He was hurt, and now we know that he's on IR, so he's going to miss the rest of the season. But the rest of the front seven just didn't seem to have it on this particular day against Russell Wilson. He seemed free to do whatever he wanted. Four touchdown passes to four different wide receivers. Wasn't under any kind of real pressure. What did you see when you watched the front seven? Because to me, it was one of their weaker performances of the season. Yeah, this this was the worst. Um, and they scored 40 points, and that's with Russell Wilson leaving at the end of the third quarter. And I'm sure if they were pressing for all three quarters, they probably could have put up more than 40. And if they let them in, they easily could have put up 60 on the Jets. Like, there um, was so many busts in this game that I, I can't even begin to describe them because I have a decent memory. My memory is not that good. But there was at least six, seven, eight plays in totality in this game where guys were just running wide open. And I couldn't even tell what the defense was because it was such a big blow from the defense um, that it was impossible to tell. Now, in terms of the front seven, Quinton Williams is actually pretty solid. Um, I know in terms of the statistics, he probably didn't produce very well. Um, but the Seahawks did a pretty good job in terms of their front seven in the run game, really 
um, staying on their blocks at their first level and then working up to the, to the second level, really putting uh, more of the onus on the on the linebackers to make plays instead of the defensive linemen. So they did a really good job combo blocking. Um, so I definitely noticed that. And obviously with the Jets and their secondary being as bad as it is, the ball was out really, really, really quick. And there was a couple of times where guys got there, you know, Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers. Um, so that's about, that's about the only guys. Uh, who were there pretty quick, and Russell Wilson just literally three-step drop fire, three-step drop fire, five-step drop fire, and there was no, um, there was no coverage, so he didn't have to hold on to the ball. So I'm sure they didn't produce very well, but uh, Quinn Williams actually had a pretty solid game for me. Like I, I thought he played really well, um, even though he was again uh, statistically not not as good just because of the the offense he was facing, uh, facing and how how good of a job they did play action uh, down blocks. They they really did a good job blocking up front um, in totality, but still he had a pretty good game. Uh, good technique, good explosion, uh, blew up quite a few run plays, at least three or four um, off the top of my head. Um, so was definitely happy with Quinn and Williams. John Frank, uh, Franklin Myers had a nice rusher too. Um, he's been a little bit more quiet uh, the last couple of weeks, even though it was a 10 pressure game a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought that was a little bit fluky um, in terms of like how, how they label pressures. I'm not sure, but he didn't really make as big of an impact as you think 10 pressures um would indicate but overall still he, he he was he was decent he had uh the the rush that made russell wilson move out to his left that when he threw up the ball to the dk metcalf that marcus may made a really nice interception um so th- those guys had a had a decent game other than that it was it was dreadful Basham made no impact huff has been super quiet after uh, you know a hotter start for an undrafted guy um you know luvu i thought had a nice player too um, specifically, you know, um, the one half sack on Russell Wilson that he had and then um, the hit at the end of the game. But at that point, the Jets were down like 37 to three and he starts flexing and, and, and probably, you know, seemingly talking some crap, which um, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm an old get off my lawn type guy, Scott. But when you're down 37 to three, you should not be flexing and talking crap. It just mm-hmm. it just bothers the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of wiped away his good game for me. But overall, he, he made a slight impact. But other than that, there was no rush. Um, the the front seven in terms of the linebackers, Langy and Hewitt, they got absolutely abused in coverage. Their spot dropping is horrific, um, which is going. It was a big problem with Greg Williams. Was has always been a problem with Greg Williams. Greg Williams is good at, at you know some trap coverages and, and simulated pressures and creeper defenses. And you'll see a radar or two defense in there, bare front. And you'll see some good stuff, um, you know, from his defense, but. He has a huge problem with spot dropping, and Frank Bush continued that, and they got absolutely shredded for it. Um, so that was not a positive. And then, like I said, a lot of combo blocks um, working the first level really, really hard and putting that onus on the Langies and the Hewitts of the world to defeat blocks, to, to diagnose runs, um, to put themselves in, in proper position, and they just absolutely could not do it. Uh, there's a couple of busts in the, in the run game as well. Um, a couple situations where I thought they where they tagged blocks or, or had gap exchanges, automatic gap exchanges, which I go over my show, so to go to that for that description um, that they, they that they completely blew. Where you have Hewitt literally running away from the gap that he sees the running back running into, like it is very confusing how bad they played. Um, so it was dreadful um, from the front seven uh, overall from defense, and we're getting to the secondary now, but. It, it, it was the worst performance of the year by far. Seattle had absolutely anything they wanted to. We talked about Jordan Jenkins being hurt and that having an adverse impact on the front seven. I wish I could use that as an excuse 
for the secondary, but unfortunately, I can't use that as an excuse. I know Ashton Davis didn't play, but that's not something that should lead to the results that we saw. By the way, speaking of results due to injuries, if you've been injured because of somebody else's negligence, it can be a life-changing event, and when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of others, and you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. Here's what you do want. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time, and they've got a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. Best part is they've got a long track record of winning, too. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. That's nylegalteam.com. And like I said, no excuse here, Joe. Injuries can't be an excuse for this. Russell Wilson, as I said, just shredded them. We talked about how the front seven did nothing to stop them in terms of providing a rush. But boy, that secondary was bad. Yeah, Farley got abused in coverage. Um, There was a play in the uh, red zone where they were running like a red two. Um, where Hall was basically expecting um, uh, Farley to pick up. Um, it was basically like a dig route, um, a short crosser um, over the middle in, in the red zone from out wide, and Farley jumped way too hard on the number two, um, and uh, it led to um, the pass off not happening. There was another spot drop on that play where the number two um, literally just ran like a hitch slash stop route, and Gage was so far inside of it that Russell Wilson could have had a touchdown there. Uh, he had a touchdown, you know, to that to that crosser. So those two tuck, oh, uh, open touchdowns on that play. Um, that was brutal. Uh, there was multiple spot drops where guys were literally shrieking down the seams. There was one play, one of the touchdowns I believe was like one of the first touchdowns in the game for the to the tight end. There was literally two other guys open on that play because the Jets spot dropped and it made absolutely no sense. Like pattern matching is the way of the NFL. Uh, read the one to the two if you're the outside guy, if you're the inside guy, two to one, so so forth and so on, depending on the coverage. Um, the Jets did not do that, and there was literally three guys open on the same play, which is almost hard to do. There's another play over the middle where um, it's a complete blown defense. I don't even know what they're trying to do, but Lockett runs like a, a five-yard snag route, and there is nobody quite literally within 15 yards of him, and he just catches the ball, almost looks surprised, and then runs for like 15 yards, and there's nobody by him. Like the the amount of blown coverage in this, in this game was absolutely brutal. Uh, bless Austin. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I just don't like him. I don't, I don't like his attitude. I don't like his attitude on the field. Again, same situation. You're down 30, 37 to three. He makes a tackle on a hitch route. Like, congratulations, you made a tackle on a hitch route. And he's walking toward the Seahawks sideline and shaking his head. A few plays later, he's involved in a tackle on a run play. I believe it was a run play where the, where the Seahawks picked up like 10, 15 yards. And then he's walking towards the Seattle sideline, takes his helmet off, sticks his tongue out. Dude, you're down 37 to three. Like, what is wrong with you? And you suck. Like, I, I, <laughs> I do not like Austin at all. Largely overrated by fans last year. He'll make one or two flashy tackles on the broadcast thing. Everybody thinks he's good and he should maybe be a starter next year. I cannot tell you. I cannot even describe how much film I went through with both myself and Marcus Coleman. And, and we both think, like, what is this guy doing? Like, his technique is brutal. Absolutely brutal. So bad game from him. I hate his attitude. I hate how he's a fake tough maybe but maybe he is a tough guy. People say, Oh, he kicked your ass. No, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate you telling me a, a two hundred and fifteen pound NFL athlete could beat my ass. I get it. But in terms of NFL standards, he's a he's a fake tough guy, um, in my opinion. Uh I I just do not like him at all. 
Uh, he played brutally. Uh, Hall got beat up a little bit this game. Got beat deep um, by, I forget what the guy's name is, uh, who, who dropped it. It could have been like a 40, 50-yard pass. Um, he got beat up a little bit by um, a couple of different receivers. The one pass interference call on Hall was absolute crap, um, especially considering the two calls that were not called on the Jets, Braxton Barrios over the middle where the guy was clearly there early, and then Brashad Perryman where, where Griffin literally hugged him in midair. Uh, like tackled, 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 like hugged him, and that wasn't a call. But um, you have a situation where Hall stays square to Metcalf. Um, he doesn't open it. He doesn't. He doesn't get a shuffle in like I would like him to. Um, but he but he stays relatively square, gets his hands on Metcalf, and Metcalf goes for a club arm over, and it doesn't land. So he literally ends up hugging um, uh, Hall's head, like like co- completely hugs him and almost drags him down to the ground. But but it's a but it's a PI on Hall. I was like, what is going on here? So that was absolutely brutal call uh, by the refs on that one. And then obviously he got beat for the touchdown as well. His his feet got a little bit frozen. Uh, that's a rookie mistake. Uh, you you do not want to play you do not want to play off um, in the red zone. And if you are going to play off in the red zone, you need to be playing inside leverage because obviously uh, inside leverage and kind of condensing the field to the outside really makes it a tougher throw. You basically have to throw a fade. Um, in a much in a much smaller window, so you cannot let guys cross your face. Uh, he was playing too far um, off, and he was playing heads up um, instead of inside, and he backpedaled. Another thing, if you're going to play off, you have to make sure you're playing that end zone line. Um, he he did not do that, and even though he did not get beat inside, that was still bad technique that I do want to note. Um, but he Metcalf, uh, I believe he uses a skip release into a rocker step. Again, go to the show if you want to learn all that stuff. Um, and Austin's eyes are high, or not Austin Hall's eyes are high, and Hall ends up biting on the inside uh, on, the, on the rocker step, and he gets uh, beat for for a touchdown. So he got beat up a lot. Um, you have Austin, who's an absolute joke this game. I cannot believe he did what he did in terms of taking his thumb off and sticking his tongue out and getting a penalty. Just just embarrassing. Uh, Gadry wasn't a liability. That's a positive for undrafted guys, so we'll give him credit. Farley was bad. Marcus May was, you know, relatively quiet this game. Obviously, the interception was fantastic. Another player where, where Austin, it was not a two read. It was not. It was. Um, it was not a trap coverage. He actually just completely bit on an out. He, he bit on the out route, you know, correctly, but he took way too aggressive of an angle and looked at the quarterback and actually lost the the receiver and just depended on Marcus May to pick him up instead of, you know, obviously playing it properly. You know, rerouting. I don't know if people have heard of that. Rerouting. It's pretty simple. But like he didn't do that. But again, he just he bit on it because he's way too aggressive. Um, which will, which is why he'll get a highlight player too, but then blow another, you know, 10 plates that same game. Um, and Marcus May does a good job leveraging himself over the route concept. Uh, a good job cutting off the route of, of um, Metcalf, gets his hands on, tracks the ball. Obviously, great, uh, great hand-eye coordination, great body control, good concentration. Uh, fantastic interception by, by Marcus May. That was, that was great. Um, I, I do think Marcus May is the top half of the league free safety. I don't think he's top five like some other Jets fans I would put him more in that in that 12 to 15 range again I think some things happen on film that people don't necessarily see because broadcast angle doesn't show you safeties who are 25 yards down the field but um overall good game from him but other than that the rest of secondary is pretty bad minus Giedry being a little bit quiet which is um a a positive at this point 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Shifting to offense, Joe, I want to talk about the running game before we get to the passing game. Talk a little offensive line, too. For starters, I think Connor McGovern played pretty well, and so did Becton. McGovern has started to pick it up the last couple of weeks and become more like the center that we were expecting when the Jets signed him in the offseason, which is good news because he's actually got a long-term deal here. He's the only one that was signed in the offseason that the Jets are committed to beyond 2020. And then when you look at the running game, when it comes to Ty Johnson, the carriage turned back into a pumpkin a little bit here. Eight carries for 16 yards. Wasn't quite as dynamic as he was the week before. Josh Adams didn't get a lot of carries, but I thought he looked really good. To me, he's been the most impressive running back that the Jets have had this season. Uh, yeah, the, the thing with Ty Johnson was, a lot, I, I think I came on here last week and said it, um, a lot more of the production last week for him was the offensive line versus um, actually him, um, where they were opening some holes and he just has better athleticism and burst than Frank Gore. So he turned those four runs, our four-yard runs, into seven, eight-yard runs um, some of the time. So it was more of the offensive line. And this week, uh, the Seahawks just stacked the box. Right? They just had more guys to, to take on the run game because that's all the Jets um, have been able to do this year if they are moving the ball is the run game. And obviously that was their, their biggest strength the last couple of weeks uh, – if you want to call that a strength, but um, yeah, the offensive line back in uh, solid game. Again, there are some things I want to see him improving in the run game uh, for sure. You know, there's a couple plays that look positive, but he definitely could clean up on overall good game though. Um, the, the run technique stuff that's again, you can go to the channel uh, for that, but you know, there's some situations where he could play a little better and create even more, um, you know, kind of movement than he does. Um, this game, like specifically, there was there was one play where his footwork's a little bit bad, so he allows some penetration um, on the front side of a counter play, and because of that penetration, you know, he he does a good job moving the guy inside, but he let him get up the field a little bit too much. And obviously, when you're having pullers, they have to pull tight to the line of scrimmage. When you're letting, when you're allowing a little bit of penetration, um, it's going to kind of screw up their track. And both of the pullers kind of got stuck. Um, and bumped into Beckton and, and the uh, defensive lineman because his footwork wasn't the best. There's another situation where uh, he kind of reduced the B-gap because he didn't get his hands on a guy as early as he should have because his eyes weren't in the right place. Um, and I want to see him improve on that. But again, overall, I'm just, I want to give things um, that I'm seeing that he can improve on. But overall, again, I think he's a top 10 left tackle in the league right now. Um, and I said it on my show uh, last week, you know, with, with, and I said it even, even with you pre-draft and post-draft, Scott, I think I've been pretty consistent with this. Average technique, I think he's a top 10 left tackle. Uh, I think he will be elite if he has good technique. And I think if he has great technique, you're talking, you're talking generational left tackle, obviously, considering that he gets, um, that he stays, stays healthy. But if he has great technique, uh, he, he could be, he could be uh, going to Canton. And obviously that's far, far off right now, but I'm just, I'm just talking about the future. Um, and right now I think his technique is average. Um, sometimes slightly below average, and I think that's why he's a top 10 left tackle, but I think he'd get much better. So um, still overall positive game for him, created some movements, pretty good in, in a lot of his pass sets. I like I like his handwork more this game. I think I've been pointing out some different things each game, 
last couple of games he's been maintaining contact more through through uh, run block this game I noticed him not leaning as much into his hands and instead of trying to maintain one hand and one point of contact with guys he's starting to to feel when guys are going to swat his hands um, not want to lean into his hands and now he's starting to alternate punches you know from his left to his right back to his left to his right like he's, he did a better job with that this game so it's definitely positive for me uh, left guard, right guard, terrible. Uh, Elfline made like two impressive blocks. Got put up on Twitter by one of the bigger ways out there. People thought thought he's good, and now he should be resigned forever. Uh, no, Elfline is absolutely terrible. Uh, minus a few good plays here and there in the run game. Uh, McGovern is looking like the center that he was with the uh, Broncos, which is a positive. He had one bad play in this game. I forget exactly what it was, but one bad play over over sixty snaps or whatever is not that bad. But he's been more positive in the run game. Lateral movement, good technique with his feet. Uh, showing his explosion. Um, he's definitely doing better. Uh, Andrews has got awful. And then Fant has evened out a little bit. Um, the, the beginning of the year, he's playing even better than I thought he was, where I thought he's about average. Now he's looking a little bit below average. Um, and, you know, a lot of it's coming from his technique and in, in, in his in his pass sets. Um, way too much of the time, he 45 degree sets. I said that uh, when the Jets signed him, you, if you start to see a guy 45 degree set, as, an, as a defensive lineman, you're going to start to ch- to, to adjust to how to beat that guy. Um, and that's been happening a little bit. And the problem with him is he 45-degree sets, and you want to split your outside foot to the rusher and make it a really hard edge. Um, it's a really hard edge. It's a little bit risky because if they defeat you, they have a pretty clean shot at the quarterback. It's, it's more of a, uh, a risky set. But his problem is he, he gets to his set point but then opens his hips. And when you open your hips, now, now your hands you know, uh, naturally drop that opens you up for bull rushes. And obviously when you're getting out that fast, you're moving that fast outside. When you open your hips to the outside, now your hips are locked outside. And if guys are going to press up the arc for three, four steps and then cross your face, it makes it harder to, to, um, to adjust to that. So that's what happened in this game. There was one player, I'm sure it went around a little bit, but the, the rusher takes like three, four steps um, up the arc. Uh, Fant gets on a 45 degree set, opens his hips. The rusher um, goes inside with a club, Fant tries to counter that by, you know, just kind of getting back inside of it. He's all found. Uh, the rusher feels that, and he clubs him again, and Fant goes flying, uh, a lot of pressure. There's another play on a run game, in the run game, where Fant, um, just a lack of situational awareness in terms of the run fake being to his, to his, to his outside, to his right, him having help inside to his left. And he just got – he worked way too lateral down the line of scrimmage. Um, and, get, again, knowing if the defensive lineman's going to guess run, which that play action is meant to do – that he would try to shed you to your right um, or to Fant's right. And he went way too far, again, uh, lateral and to his left. So um, didn't do a good job there. Um, just maintaining a proper position, gets beat. Uh, Donald uh, scrambles and gets away from the rusher. But uh, two big pressures a lot on Donald just by terrible techniques. So I um, wasn't impressed with him. But again, I think for, for what you paid him for, you're, you're getting the value, which is fine. Again, a lot of people thought he was going to be an absolute bust, and he's been. You know, um, somewhere, let's, I hate like ranking this up, but somewhere in that 20, 21, 22 range, which um, is good enough. And some games even even better than that. Some games worse than that, but overall, I think he's been a slightly below average tackle, which um, is is okay for what they paid him. So, um, but overall, not a, not a good game from him. Joe, in the passing game, I thought Braxton Berrios was a nice surprise here. Didn't get a lot of targets, but made the most of the ones that he did get. Beyond that, there wasn't much happening here. Sam Darnold threw for 132 yards, so it's not like the passing game was lighting the world on fire. And for Darnold, while the stat sheet didn't show it, 
There were a lot of missed opportunities here for the Seahawks. A lot of the same mistakes by Darnold. There were at least two occasions where the ball should have been picked off and taken for six the other way. So it seemed like a lot of the negative patterns that we've seen this season repeated themselves and the positives that we had seen for the bulk of the last couple of weeks combination of Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco did not show up. Yeah, um, Darnold, like there's there's definitely some plays that he that he that he executed a little bit better than in past weeks. You know, getting on the move, things like that. He stepped into a, into a sack that um, I didn't think he should have. Um, overall, like he, let's say he had, you know, I I, I don't know whatever, whatever it is. Um, nine plays out of ten were were okay, but then he just had mind numbing mistakes um, in this game that that are inexcusable. And that's kind of like the roller coaster ride you get with Darnold. Um, is a couple of really nice plays, or and obviously this year, you know, fewer than than the, the, the two years prior, but um, a couple of good plays, and then just absolutely dreadful mistakes that you could not make. Um, obviously, the one pick that Jamal Adams should have had was really nice to see him drop. Uh, cover one robber, cover one lurk, really generic coverage that the Seahawks run. Um, Donald never checks Jamal Adams. He never checks. He checks the one safety, doesn't check the other one. Throws a crossing route. Um, or the big route to, I believe it was Jeff, Jeff Smith he was targeting. Um, Joel Adams drops the pick. Another play, um, looking to his right, I forget who was on the slant. You have a corner who was draped all over the slant and looking back at Darnold. Darnold throws it, and he undercut the route. Could have been another pick that was dropped. Um, there was a ball, uh, a, a miss, I believe it was to Jeff Smith on a dig route where um, he either needs to wait a little bit longer to throw the ball, or if he was going to throw the ball, he needs to put more on Jeff Smith. I completely missed the throw. The footwork this game uh, was terrible, as in other games. The lead foot's not pointed, not driving towards his target. His hallway is not proper. Um, a lot of bad things, locking his hips. There, there was a, plenty of negatives there. Um, and then one other play I remember specifically where um, it's first and 10, and Herndon just runs like a, a quick stop route, uh, and it could have been an easy eight-yard gain. And Darnold's looking right at him. I don't know why he doesn't throw it. Drops back, reads it, sees his open, and then skips on him. And either I think it's a throw the ball away. Um, but why not take eight yards? Like it's it's first down. Herndon sitting there um, for you know second and two is a is a is a big time gain. Like that's eight yards on first down is great. Like now a lot of teams in that situation take a shot on second down. Darnold skips it, throws the ball away, or or is a negative play um, past that point. I forget exactly what happened after it, but mind numbing mistake of not taking a guy who's absolutely wide open, which is you know obviously an issue. Um, you know the Jets receivers do get crapped on a little bit more than they should because there are times where Darnold is not seeing guys who are open. Trust me, Crowder, uh, Perryman, uh, which again you know he actually had two throws. He had one throw to to Crowder on a wheel route, which actually a nice throw was not completed, but a nice ball um, that he put in the right position. Uh, Crowder just couldn't work his way to it. Perryman. The, the play where he got basically tackled by by Griffin um, was an underthrow. He needed to put that more on a rope, especially considering the relationship with the corner and the safety. Um, underthrew that ball. Perriman has to gear down, uh, work back to the ball, and he gets you know a PI. So that was a bad throw. So um, there are some good plays in this game, but then some really really negative plays again. Should have had two picks, stepped up into a sack, skipping guys who were wide open. The footwork was bad, uh, missing Perriman for what could have been a touchdown if he let him properly because Griffin was not in a position to play that ball because Perriman beat him with another hop step. Um, so bad game from, from Donald. And there are situations. I, I think I, throw, I I showed at least two or three plays this game where it is uh, part of the problem is Gase. There, there are times where it's third and six and they're running route concepts 15 to 20 yards down the field when the Seahawks are stacking the box. Again, I'm not, no, I'm not a savant, Scott, but you know, in a situation where they're showing a seven-man blitz 
you're, you can't run guys 15-yard routes down the field on third and six. You have to run at least something over the middle, even just one route, an over route, a mesh, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, they, they don't do that. Like, what is Adam Gase doing with some of his, with some of his play calls in terms of uh, the route combinations that he has? Like, he has some interesting concepts, and we discussed that when he was hired, but in his situational awareness of when to call certain plays is just, is just brutal at times. Uh, the consistent runs on first, second down, the, you know, the, again, deeper route concepts versus blitzes, which does not make sense. You got to have some type of hot read for Darnold. Um, it was it, it was really bad in that aspect too, and I showed some plays of Darnold with absolutely no shot to get the ball out, taking you know probably at least two or two sacks um, in those scenarios where he really had nothing he could throw to. Um, if he threw the ball away, it would have been intentional grounding. So I, I feel for him at times, but again, he's not he's not resolved a lot of blame. A lot of it is his problem. A lot of it is McCagan's problem. A lot of it is, you know, Gase's problem. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cluster F of issues that have led to Donald where he is right now, but he's just, he's not going, he's not, he cannot be the answer going forward for the Jets. Maybe for another team, but not the Jets. But um, yeah, volatile game for, from Donald. You know, a couple of good plays followed by a really bad player too. So um, you, again, I talked about that scale, that Trevor Lawrence scale um, from last week. That's that, how many games he played, 10? That's ten stones on the scale towards Lawrence, and not one towards Donald. Even even his decent games are not good enough to keep me away from Lawrence if they finish at one. Joe Blewett, the host of Blewett Splits over at JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Make sure that you are following Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31 and subscribe to JetsXFactor.com so you can see his full video reviews. Sometimes they can be as long as three or four hours. You can really dive in and get a complete sense of what he's talking about when he comes on here for XNO Quick Hits. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.